I want to do something that I've never done on this podcast. I want to have a Bible trivia episode. And this is it. So let's get into it. We've got some difficult days ahead. I just want to do God's will. I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Shalom, 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 family, and welcome to the very first Bible trivia, ugh, Bible trivia, excuse me, episode of Jacob's Seed Podcast. First of all, before we get into this, I just want to thank all of you for joining Jacob's Seed Podcast, joining another episode, because um, as I always say, I wouldn't be putting out episodes if it wasn't for you all who were listening. It would be very hard to put out episode after episode and see that I had no uh, listeners whatsoever. So thank you guys for taking out the time um, to pause your life or whether you're just pressing play and you're at your cubicle or um, you're in the house or you're you're on that drive. I just want to thank you uh, for listening to Jacob C podcast. Listen, there's a couple ways you can continue to support this podcast. Uh, the best way is to continue to listen um, and share episodes like this with five people that you know and subscribe to this podcast. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google uh, Podcasts, uh, Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, um, and so many more. Uh, so subscribe to me on those platforms. Um, you can also uh, buy T-shirts. Go to Teespring and uh, and search for Jacob C Podcast there. And um, yeah, follow me on uh, Instagram at Jacob at, at Jacob C Twelve. Jacob C Twelve on Instagram and search Jacob C Podcast on Facebook. Um, and like the Facebook page as well and, and rate us and all those good things. So um, all the support that you give is awesome. Um, we thank you and we appreciate it. Uh, but I just want to have some fun. Right. So um, there's so much going on right now. There's so many voices out there right now saying this, that and the other. And I just want to be a voice of uh, some positivity and try to have some fun because um, I'm sure that. Whatever congregation that you're in, um, whether you're in a camp or an assembly, uh, whatever it may be, I'm sure that that if you have a good if you have a good leader, that they're telling you the truth right now. What's really going on? Um, and sometimes the truth is hard to hear. Sometimes the truth kind of vex our soul. Right. But um, but just know that if you are truly his, if you are truly the most highs and that you are living out the law, statutes and commandments and that you are living According to the Ruach HaKadosh, the set apart, the set apart spirit and not your flesh, um, that in the end you will be OK. Um, but. I want to have a trivia night. I've never had a show where I did trivia. Usually trivia will be you'll see it on some like live podcast. Some people have live podcasts on, on YouTube or whatnot. So this is going to be a little bit different because this is a recorded podcast. I do plan on doing live podcasts in the future um, when I get the equipment to do it. Um, but this is a recorded podcast, so it's going to be a tad bit different. So this is how it's going to work. I'm going to ask a question. I'll pause for 10 to 20 seconds, probably let's say 15 seconds to split. Let's split the difference. And I'll pause for about 15 seconds. I'll allow you to come up with the answer. So when I ask the question, you can pause 
Um, you can go try to find it in the scriptures. Whether is it yes, no, maybe so, and all that kind of stuff. And then come back and see if your answer is correct. I will also be posting all 10 of these trivia questions on Instagram for the next 10 days. So next week, there will not be a new episode of Jacob C podcast. I will be enjoying um, um, Pesach and Unleavened Bread with my brothers and sisters in my congregation. Um, for those who are um, adhere to the full moon, you guys have already had your Pesach and Unleavened Bread. I hope you got, I hope it was blessed. I hope it was a joyous time. Um, I hope you guys not only got the leaven out of your heart, leaven out of your houses, but also the leaven out of your hearts as well. Um, but yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be with my congregation doing Pesach next week. So there won't be a new episode, but I will still be posting the trivia question. So tune in. If you follow us on Instagram, uh, continue to do that. I'll post the trivia questions on Instagram and on Facebook, and we're just going to have fun with this thing, right? So let's get right into it. The first question, the first question, this is the, this is the uh, Jacob C. Podcast trivia, Bible trivia show. First question. Oh, and also, I will say that some of these questions are meant to, um, meant to help you think, spark some curiosity. Some of them may be controversial. Um, but all in fun and trying to make you think and not just go off of what you heard, right? Because we know that even, um, the Bible says that Apollos was a great orator and he knew the scriptures, but he had to be pulled to a side by, by a couple of assembly, uh, congregation members, um, and taught a more perfect way of the gospel, right? So, um, not to say that your moray is wrong or your, your bishop or your, uh, captain or, or whoever is wrong. I'm just saying, Sometimes we have to do some some soul searching, some some scripture uh, study of our own. Right. So some of these questions are maybe a little controversial to some, not to others, but all in fun to try to make you um, get you to think, get your brain working. All right. So here we go. First question. Were were there sacrifices before performed after Yeshua's ascension? Were there sacrifices performed after? After Yahshua's ascension, because we're taught in in the Christian church, right, that Yahshua was the final sacrifice, period, final one. So if that's if the if that's true, were there sacrifices performed after Yahshua's ascension? If you said yes, your answer would be correct. So there were sacrifices performed after Yahshua's ascension. You can find this in Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 26. So let's go there. Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 26. See, let me get there. Let me get there. 21, 17, starting at verse 17, going to 26. It says, and when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. This is Paul speaking. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly that 
that what things God had wrought, uh, uh, had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified Yah and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews uh, there were which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And they, are, and they are informed of thee, that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither walk after the custom. So this is James speaking to Paul like, hey, we heard all the great stuff you did, but there's some rumors out there that you're speaking against the law of Moses. Uh, verse 22, it says, what is it therefore? The multitude must need come together, for they will hear that thou had come. Do therefore this that we see to thee. We have four men which have a vow. So they had a Nazarite vow. How do we know this? Because they're about to shave their head. Um, verse 23 again. Do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. Take them and purify thyself with them and be at charge with them that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing, but that thou thyself also walketh orderly and keep the law. As touching the Gentiles, which believe we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Then Paul took the men and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. So in the, in the New Testament, it just says an offering. But what that offering was, was a burnt offering. Let me prove it to you. Let's go to number six, 13 through 21. And it explains how to end a Nazarite vow. Numbers chapter six. Verses 13 through 21. Numbers chapter 6, verses 13 through 21. And it reads, And this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are fulfilled, he shall be brought unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and he shall offer his offering unto Yah. One, and this is the offering they're talking about now, one he lamb. So one male lamb of the first year without blemish for a burnt offering. Remember, I said it was a burnt offering and one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish for a sin offering and one ram without blemish for peace offering and a basket of unleavened bread, cakes of fine flour mingled with oil and wafers of unleavened bread anointed with oil and their meat offering and their drink offering. Now, verse 16 and the priest shall bring them before Yah and shall offer his sin offering and his burnt offering. And he shall offer the ram for a sacrifice of peace offering unto Yah with the basket of unleavened bread. The priest shall offer also his meat offering and his drink offering. And the Nazarite shall shave his head. Remember now in Acts, they shave their head. Um, and the Nazarite shall shave the head of his separation at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and shall take the hair of his head of and they and the hair and the hair of the head of his separation. I'm sorry. And put it in the fire, which is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. Verse 19. And the priest shall take the sodden shoulder of the ram and one unleavened cake out of the basket 
and one unleavened wafer and shall put them upon the heads of the Nazarite. After the hair of his separation is shaven and the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before Yah. This is holy for the priest with the wave uh, breast and heave shoulder. And after the Nazarite may drink wine. This is the law of the Nazarite who hath vowed and of his offering unto Yah for his separation. Besides that, that his head shall his head that 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 his hand shall get according to the vow which he vowed. So he must do after the law of his separation. And if you go above um, verse 13, it tells you about all the separation, all the things he can do, all the things he can't do during a Nazarite vow. So were there sacrifices performed after Yeshua's ascension? The answer is yes. Paul had to perform a um, a culmination of his Nazarite vow and of, I believe it said <clears throat> four or five other brothers, which also tells you that Paul was wealthy because that's a lot of doggone lambs and, and some wine and some oil and some flour. Like you ain't no rich, you ain't no poor man uh, coming up with all those uh, resources on a dime like that. So Paul was wealthy, um, but he also uh, did a sacrifice in the temple after Yahshua's ascension. So why do we stop doing sacrifices now? Now we know Yahshua was the final sin sacrifice for us, right? So he was that perfect lamb, that unblemished lamb that was sprinkled on the north side of the temple, correct? But we also know that our our ancestors did sacrifices, had many sacrifices that had nothing to do with sin whatsoever. Um, I don't know how to perform those sacrifices. Um, I wouldn't advise doing that. Now, I know some of our Israelite brothers and sisters, they still do a lot of pre-exilic um, practices, and that's their prerogative. I'm not going to speak against that because I don't know enough about it to speak about it. But I will say because I don't know how to do it. And I and I when I read the scriptures, I see a lot of times the reason why our people got in trouble was because we began to use the practices that Yah gave us into and we started attributing them to another Elohim, whether on purpose or inadvertently. Right. Um, and that got us into a lot of trouble. So I just I just try to stay away from it. Question number two. And this this is a great segue into this question. Were there any pre-exilic practices performed in the New Testament? So just like I said, there's a lot of people out there that do still pre, do pre-exilic stuff, whether it's uh, uh, drink offerings, um, friendship offerings, um, grain offerings, um, ancestor veneration, whatever it may be, right? Are there any, were there any pre-exilic practices that any of this stuff bleed over into the Brit Hadashah or the New Testament? Were there any pre-exilic practices performed in the New Testament? <laughs> If your answer was no, you are dead wrong. The correct answer is yes. There are pre-exilic practices performed in the New Testament, particularly the act of casting lots, casting lots. And truth be told, we still cast lots today. They do it in a casino every day, you know, uh, playing dice 
It's the luck of the draw. Like you're casting lots, right? Um, so let's go to Matthew 27, 35. Matthew 27, 35. The book of Matthew chapter 27, verse, what did I say? 35? Yeah, 35. Let's get there. And it reads, and this is this is as our savior, Yahshua is being crucified. It says, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it may be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them. And upon my venture, did they cast lots? So they, they ripped his clothes and all his garments and they casted lots to see who was going to get what. Right. Also, Luke chapter one, verses eight and nine. Luke chapter one, verses eight and nine. And this is John the Baptist's father. So it says, and it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before Elohim and the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of Yah. So what they would do is they would cast lots to see who would do what, what job would get done. Right. That's what they would do in the temple. And lastly, we'll go to Acts chapter one, verse 26, the book of Acts chapter one, verse 26. Let me get there. And it reads. And they gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So what happened here was Judas um, betrayed Yahshua, bought a bought some land in a valley somewhere, killed himself. And the remaining 11 casted lots upon, I believe, two or three other men. And the lot fell on Matthias. So let me explain what the casting of lots kind of is. So if you're imagine you have, say, say you have a die in your hand. So like dice, like rolling dice. Right. So you have a die in your hand. And but instead of numbers, you only have like it's a um, so you have it's a four sided die. Right. So on two sides, you have yes. On two sides, you have no. And you've been praying about a thing, praying about a thing, praying about a thing, praying about a thing. And you don't feel like you're getting any answers. So what you do is you take that die and you you tell Yah like, listen, whatever this falls on, I trust and believe that you knew my my ending before my my, my ending before my beginning. And, you know, my future and I trust in you alone. So we're not trusting in blind faith or or the luck of the draw when it's coming to casting lots. We. We have prayed about it because the apostles prayed, right? We are praying about it and we're believing that you are in control of this outcome. So you roll the die and whatever you've been praying about, if it says yes, um, you go for it, assuming that is something righteous. But I believe that is something unrighteous one wouldn't roll on the yes, right? Or it can be colors or numbers or whatever the system is. And if it says no, you got to be okay with that as well. So that's kind of like casting lots, right? So we see that some of the some of the pre-exilic practices did make it into the culture of the um, Second Temple or um, New Century Israelites. 
that did take place. Question number three. Was Yahshua the only person who could heal the sick, raise the dead, and perform miracles? Was Yahshua the only person who could heal the sick, raise the dead, and perform miracles? If you answered yes, you are wrong. Yahshua is not the only person in scripture who could heal the sick, raise the dead and perform miracles. So the first person I think most people may think of is Moses, right? Part in the Red Sea, um, all the plagues that came down during during the. Um, the exodus of Mizraim, uh, you think of his brother Aaron, who his, um, he threw down his staff and it turned into a snake. Um, we think about, um, let's see here. I don't know some of the, um, some more of the old Testament people. Let's move on to like some of the new Testament people. Cause I got some, two of the old Testament people that I want to actually highlight, but you, you go into the new Testament and you look at how Paul, um, he was preaching and a kid fell off the, the roof rafters, broke his neck and Paul brought him back to life. Right. Um, his handkerchiefs would heal people when he mailed it to them. The apostles would walk over people and their shadows would heal those who were sick. Right. So um, Yahshua is not the only person who could raise the dead and heal the sick and perform miracles because, you know, the raising of the dead, healing the sick is but a miracle. But the two people I would love to highlight because they were just so cold with it. I mean, ooh, they was they was as 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 my generation would say, they was nice with it, right? So we're talking about Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H, as well as Elisha, E-L-I-S-H-A. These were two bad Hebrew Israelite brothers. Let's let's just go through. Um, let me just list, and you can f- you and you can find all of their miracles, all of the things that they did from First uh, Kings seventeen, all the way through Second Kings chapter thirteen. Right. So let me just list them. And it's gonna take a while to list them because these brothers was so nice with it. So first, let's start with Elijah. Elijah. E-L-I-J-A-H. So Eli, so this this is his resume. Causing the rain to cease for three and a half years. Being fed by ravens. Miracle of the barrel of meal and curse of oil. The resurrection of a widow's son. Calling of fire from heaven on the altar. Uh, let me go back. Uh, y'all, y'all might want these uh, scripture references. So causing the rain to cease for three and a half years. First Kings 17, one being fed by the Ravens. First Kings 17, four miracle of the barrel of, of meal and the curse of oil. First Kings 17, 14 resurrection of the widow's son. First Kings 17, 22 calling of the fire from heaven on the altar. First Kings 18, 38 causing it to rain. First Kings 18, 45 
Prophecy that Ahab's son would be destroyed. First Kings 21, 22. Prophecy that Jezebel would be eaten by dogs. First Kings 21, 23. Prophecy that, Az- um, that Azaz would die of his illness. Second Kings um, 1, 4. Calling fire from heaven upon the 50 soldiers. Second Kings 1, 10. Calling fire from heaven upon the second set of 50 soldiers. Second Kings uh, 1, 12. Parting the Jordan. Second Kings 2, 8. Prophecy that Elisha would have a double portion of his spirit. Second Kings 2.10. Being caught up in the heaven in a whirlwind. Second Kings 2.11. And then um, after Second Kings 2.11 and Second Kings 2.14, Elisha starts his resume. So Second Kings 2.14, Elisha parts the Jordan. Healing of the waters in Second Kings 2.21. Curse of the she bears in second Kings two 24 filling of the valley with water in second Kings three 17, the deception of the Moabites with the valley of blood, second Kings three 22 miracle of the vessel of oil in second Kings four, four, the prophecy that the Shumanite woman would have a son in second Kings four 16, the resurrection of the Shumanite son in second Kings four 34, Healing of the gourds in 2 Kings 4.41. Miracle of the bread in 2 Kings 4.43. Healing of Naaman in 2 Kings 5.14. The perception of the Gazai's transgression. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it's okay. 2 Kings 5.26. Cursing of the Gezai with leprosy. 2 Kings 5.27. Floating of the axe head. Second Kings six, six prophecy of the uh, Sierran battle plans. Second Kings six, nine vision of the chariots. And that that joker right there is so cool. Like all this other stuff is cold, too. But that junk is so cold. The vision of the chariots like they thought they was fighting all by themselves. And and Elisha said, most high show these people who got they back. And all the people was able to see what Elisha saw and why he was so bold because they was fighting with chariots of angels, man. It was so dope. Um, smiting the, the Sierran army with blindness, 2 Kings 6.18. Restoring the sight to the Sierran army, 2 Kings 6.20. Prophecy of the end of the great famine, 2 Kings 7.1. Prophecy about the scoffing nobleman would, uh, would see but not partake of the abundance, 2 Kings 7 and 2. Deception of the Syrians with the sound of chariots, Second Kings seven and six. Prophecy of the seven-year famine, Second Kings eight one. Prophecy of Benadad's untimely death, Second Kings eight ten. Prophecy of Hazel's cruelty to Israel, Second Kings eight twelve. Prophecy that Jehu would smite the house of Abab, Second Kings nine seven. Prophecy that Joash would smite the Syrians at uh, at Apec, Second Kings thirteen seventeen. Prophecy that Joash would smite Syria thrice, but not consume it. Second Kings 13, 9. And this is the coldest thing that Elijah did. And he wasn't even alive when he did it, y'all. Resurrection of the man touched by his bones. Yes, that happened. So this brother was in a he was in a fight. They were in a war. The brother fell into the tomb of Elijah. He touched the man's bones and he demanded the dead man came back alive. Read it for yourself in second Kings 13, 21. So were there men or people in the Bible other than Yahshua that could heal the sick, raise the dead and perform miracles? You bet there were. Question number 
four. Can you name all 12 apostles? Can you name all 12 apostles? I already gave you one. He replaced Judas. So I already gave you one. We was talking about casting lots. So can you name all 12 apostles? So if y'all haven't named them already, y'all ready? You can find 11 of them in Acts chapter 1, verses 13. Acts chapter 1, verses 13. In Acts chapter 1, verse 13, it says, And when they were come in, they went up to the upper room and were abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas, brother of James, and of course, Matthias. Let's say those again. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas, the brother of James, and Matthias. Those are the 12 apostles. Question number five. Did Paul say you are justified by doing the law? Did Paul, the apostle Paul, did he say that you are justified by doing the law? If your answer was yes, then you are dead correct. You are right. Yes. Paul said, so all the controversy about Paul and the law, Paul himself said, those who do the law are justified. Let's go to Romans chapter two, verse 13. Romans chapter two, verse 13. Paul says, for not the hearers of the law are just before Elohim, but the doers of the law shall be justified. And then even a chapter over, he explains everything about this faith and the law, and it makes it seem like faith and law are at odds with one another. Right. But at the very end of Romans chapter 31, it says, uh, talking about this faith in Elohim says, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Paul also, if you read Acts, you really can't understand the life of Paul if you don't understand the book of Acts. Toward the latter half of Paul's life, he is literally going from court to court to court, from city to city to city, sitting in front of front of this judge, that judge, this emperor, that governor, and defending the notion that he preaches against the law. He actually defends the law, the latter half of his life. He's defending 
the law. Also, he is an Israelite of Israelite, a Pharisee of Pharisee, out of the, out of the tribe of Benjamin, out of the house of Gamiel. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Of all the teachers that are in the New Testament, all of them, from Yahshua all the way to John the Revelator, all of them only had one available resource to teach out of, and that was the law and the prophets. So when they say the scriptures, they're talking about the laws, the first five books of the Bible and the prophets and the writings, which are, you know, uh, Psalms and Proverbs and Lamentations and Job and things of that nature. And if you have an Apocrypha, you can easily see that also Yahshua, especially Yahshua and Paul definitely quote from the Apocrypha. So don't let nobody tell you that the Apocrypha is of no use. All right. Because we get the um, the dedication of of lights or Han Hanukkah uh, from the Apocrypha. And we see that Yahshua celebrated the feast of dedication. You can see that in scripture. Uh, we can see that Paul and Yahshua quoted a lot of things that were in um, the Apocrypha, mainly in Maccabees and the second Edris. I'm sure other things as well. So. Yeah, Paul said you are justified, not those who hear the law are justified, but it's those who do the law that are justified. Hmm. Who does that sound like? Did it sound like James, the brother of Yahshua? Did he not say similar things? It's not those uh, it's not the, the it's not the hearers who are justified, but the doers that are justified. But in our in our Christian churches, they would try to put Paul and James at odds with one another. And yet they were saying the same thing. But Paul is easily misread, as uh, Peter would say. And a lot of people read him into their own destruction, thinking he's teaching against the law. But in fact, he was a law abiding citizen from birth unto death. Man, y'all, we are halfway through this. I'm having fun. I hope you are. You guys having fun? Are you guys? I hope you guys are having fun. Um, I hope you guys share this episode with other people. Again, I'll, I'll put all these questions and answers on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, for the next couple weeks, for the next 10 days, for the next 10 days. So uh, we did question five. Now we're on question six. We're on question six. Did Yahshua. Uh oh, here come. This is a uh, this is a touchy one now. It's a touchy one now. I got two touchy ones on here. Some of y'all may have been touched already by some of them. I don't know. But this this is a definitely a touchy one. Did Yahshua come to. Uh, the next two are actually kind of touchy. Anyway, anyway, let's let's get into it. Did Yahshua come to abolish the law and start Christianity? Now, the, the, this is for this is for your Christian friends out there um, who who yeah. Did Yahshua come to abolish the law and start Christianity? I ain't going to give you a lot of time on this one because most of y'all listening, I know that y'all righteous Hebrews. Y'all know the answer is unequivocally. No, absolutely not. So what did he come to do? Let's go to Matthew uh, chapter five, verse 17. This is not the only thing he came to do, uh, but this puts the this kind of puts a, a, a nail in the coffin of the notion that he came to abolish the law. Matthew five seventeen says his words now, Yeshua's words. Think not 
that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And a lot of people will tell you that when he says he's come to fulfill, that means he's come to do away with the law. So you're telling me he's saying this. So let's let's put it in the translation that these 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 Christian orators are, are telling us. So they're saying that fulfill means to destroy something um, or to abolish something. So he says, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've come not to destroy, but to abolish. Come on now. See, when you don't understand Torah, when you don't understand Hebrew culture, you'll just fill in the blanks to fit your own comfort zone and your own culture. But people don't realize that this 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 book, this Bible was given to a certain people. It's about a certain people and for a certain people. And if you don't understand those people, you won't understand anything from Genesis to Revelations. All right. Destroy is a he what we call a Hebrew idiom. Today, we would call that a colloquialism or slang. Right. So we have slang words in the so-called African-American community. They also had sl- our ancestors had slang words in the in the old time Hebrew community. We call them Hebrew idioms. You can Google Hebrew idioms and see a slew of them. So destroy was a Hebrew idiom. We have that same colloquialism or slang word in the English. We would say butcher. So he's saying, think not that I've come to butcher the law or teach it the wrong way or the prophets. I've not come to butcher it. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to show you how to do it properly. I didn't come to teach it. So so in the in the most simplest, basic terms, he's saying I didn't come to teach it wrongly. I came to teach it rightly. That's 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 as simple as I can put it. I didn't come to teach the laws and the prophets in a wrong way. I come to teach it in the correct manner. Right. He goes on to say in verse 18, verily, I say unto you. Till heaven and earth pass away, look to your left, look to your right, look up, look down. I believe the heaven and earth have not gone anywhere. He said, verily, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Have all been fulfilled yet? Absolutely not. He also goes on to say, Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So some should some say, oh, well, you see, well, you know, even if I don't do the law, at least I'm a, if I'm if, if my heart is OK, if he knows my intentions, if I don't do the law, I'm still going to make it. I just be least. and I'm OK with that. If you keep reading, it, 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 it tells you the the outcome of the least in verse 20. It says, for I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. You ain't getting in if you ain't following the law, statutes and commandments. If you're not living righteously, if you are not separating yourself from your flesh and living by the spirit, you ain't getting in point blank, period. So did Yahshua come to abolish the law and start Christianity? No, he was born a Hebrew Israelite. He died, rose, and he's sitting at the right hand of the father as a Hebrew Israelite from the tribe of Judah. All right. 
He's not a Christian. He's a Jew. That was uh, number six. So number seven. Uh oh, here's, here's another one. Here's another uh, touchy one here. Did Yahshua come for the whole world? Now, some of y'all who've never listened to this podcast will automatically say, oh, of course he did. You know, John 3.16, you know, for, you know, for, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and those who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Right. We learned we learned that in vacation Bible school. Right. Or YPWW or whatever, you, whatever Christian dom- denomination you came from. He came for the whole world. Well, if he came for the you know what? Let me let me let me. Did Yahshua? I'm, I'm messing up. See, I'm messing up. I'm, I'm almost giving you all the answers because I ain't used to having this Bible trivia show. But that's OK. That's OK. Did Yahshua come for the whole world? If your answer was yes, you're wrong. Yahshua did not come for the whole world. So we, we were quick to quote John 3:16, but we forget all the places where where the most high tells us not to be a part of this world, to come out of this world, to hate this world, to not be friends with this world. Friends with this world is enmity toward Elohim. Right. So who did Yahshua come for? Here's the question. Who did he come for? Let's look at it. Let's go to Matthew. Go back to Matthew. We're going to look in chapter one. We're look in chapter one. We're going to look at verse. Twenty one. Matthew one twenty one. Matthew one twenty one. Hear this now. You've you've probably read it, but you didn't hear it. So listen here. Listen to it. Matthew chapter one. Verse 21, and she shall, and this is an angel talking to uh, Joseph, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Yahshua, for he shall save whose people? All people? Every people. All nations. His people. From their sins. I'll read it again. Matthew 1, 21. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Yahshua. For he shall save his people from their sins. What are their sins? From turning away from the law, statutes and commandments. And now they're under the Roman captivity. And we get worse from there because they because we just a hard headed, stiff necked people who don't like to listen. But let's continue. Also, we can go to John. 17 9 the book of John chapter 17 verse 9 it reads and I read a lot of this uh, <clears throat> it reads and I want you to um, of course this trivia is meant for you to kind of read and kind of study so at the end of the day I want you to read this I want you to go to John chapter 17 and start at verse 1 and read just that whole chapter cuz the whole chapter breaks down a lot of stuff who who he came for exactly and what he and what he was supposed to do with the people that he came for and who gave them those people as well. But John 17:9 says, "I pray for them." And if you want to know who the them are, these are the people that 
the most high gave to him. You can read that if you go further up in the, in the, in the uh, John 17. It says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Uh-oh. So he's not praying for the other nations. He's not praying for the whole wide world. He's not doing that. It says, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. I'll read it again. This is Yahshua speaking. John 17, 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. He's saying they belong to the most high. And those are the people that he prays for. Let's also go to James chapter four, verse four. James chapter four, verse four. It reads, ye adulterers, you adulterers and adulteress, know ye not. That friendship of the world is enmity with Elohim. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of Elohim. So you're telling me that if I'm a friend of the world, I'm an enemy of Elohim. So if Yeshua came for the whole wide world, that would make him an enemy of his father. And we know that's not true. There is no enmity there he couldn't have come for the whole wide world if loving the world means that you hate the father that you're an enemy with him that makes sense that makes sense that makes sense let's also go to romans 9 1 through 5 first no let's, let's do that Romans 9, 1 through 5. Romans 9, 1 through 5. Because there's an order I want to go in here. Romans 9, 1 through 5. It reads, this is Paul speaking. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Why, Paul? For I wish... That I myself were accursed from Christ. He would, he would, he would be cut off. He would want to be cut off for Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He's talking about Hebrew Israelites. So he's talking about his people according to his flesh, not the whole world, not all nations. My kinsmen according to the flesh. Verse number four. Who are these people according to his flesh? Who are Israelites? And what do they possess? To whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law and the service of Elohim and the promises. So the promises aren't to everybody. The adoption ain't to everybody. The glory, the covenants, the is not to everybody. No, it's, it was given to the Israelites. Check this out. Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh. Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. So verse five says, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh, what flesh? The Israelites, Christ came. So Christ came for his own. Mm. Let's go to Romans 1 16. Let's see why Christ came for his own. Now, this is a this is a it's a catch 22 here now. It's a catch 22. 
Romans 1 16. Because they always quote the first part of Romans 1 16, but never that they never quote the full verse. And they never do because they, they're not going to do it for you. Romans 1 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of Elohim unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It continues, though, and says to the Jew first. There it is. To the Jew first and also the Greek. So to the Jew first, there's an order to stuff. Israelites get it first. Then everybody else. Why is that? Well, you have to understand Torah to understand what Paul is talking about in the order. So let's go all the way back to Exodus 19, 6. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. And let's see what the original purpose of the Israelites were to be after they were freed from the captivity of Mizraim. And these are all the people, every last one of them, every single Israelite. This was their mandate. This was the mandate that the Most High gave them in Exodus 19 and 6. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou, thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So Moses is the Most High is speaking to Moses. The Most High is telling Moses to tell the people of Israel that they will be a kingdom of priests, a set apart nation unto him. That's why Yahshua had to come back to set the ship right. We sinned and we got off of track. We were not in right standing with Yahuwah. And then you have to understand the law of marriage in Torah as well to understand why Yahshua had to come back and why he had to die. If you don't understand that, you will understand the purpose that he came for. The reason why the world is out of whack, you can read this in Romans 8, is because the people of Elohim, the Hebrew Israelites are out of whack. Half of us don't know who we are. Half of us think we black, a creon color, and look up the word black. I never want nobody to call me black. And then half of us think we're so-called African-Americans. So you're, I mean, your lineage, what are you, two different countries, two different continents? No, we are Hebrew by culture, Israelites by blood. You're not an African-American. If you're listening to this for the first time, you're not a black person. You're an Israelite. And being an Israelite comes with stipulations. Being an Israelite means that we have to follow and please the Elohim of the Holy Scriptures, what this world calls the Bible. These laws, statutes, and commandments that these places have told you they're done away with, it's a lie. You need to come out of those places, come out of those Christian churches, come out of those Muslim mosques, come out of those Jewish temples, come out of those uh, Kabbalah shrines, come out of those Buddhist and Hindu temples and shrines come out of all these man-made religions and thoughts and let's go back to worshiping the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob as our ancestors did and when we did that we experienced the best times of our people but when we disobeyed 
which we did a lot of disobeying, which is why we're in the state that we're in now. We're the lowliest people of this earth. Everywhere we go, we're hated. Everywhere we go, we're the poorest. We're the sickest. We're the most um, uh, uneducated, uh, diseased people on the planet earth, the Israelites. Because we did not hearken, just like our forefathers, to the laws, statutes, commandments, and judgments of the Most High Elohim. Come back, family. If you listen to this the first time, you don't know who you are. Come back. If you listen to this and you know who you are and you have not told your friends, your family, your co-workers. Come on now. Speak up. Tell the people the truth about who they are, because Christ came for us, not just for us, just to hoard these things, but so that we can get back into right position and be a holy nation a priest, a righteous priesthood unto all the other nations. It's our job to tell the other nations about Yahuwah. It's our job to proselytize the other nations and bring them into the fold. It wasn't Yahshua's job. Yahshua's job was to save us so that we can take that, that message of salvation, the gospel of the kingdom to the four corners of the earth. First to the Jew, then to the Greek. So with that being said, we have three more questions left. It's getting kind of late in this podcast. It's running kind of long, but that's okay. Cause I'm having fun. I hope you guys are having fun as well. Um, question number eight, what is sin? There's a lot of people want to do metaphors and make it something deep and all this other stuff because they, they, they want to tiptoe around what sin really is. Cause they don't want to tell you the truth. But question number eight, what is, is sin. If your answer was missing the mark, you're halfway there because that's what the church would tell us that sin is missing the mark. But then you have to ask the question, what mark am I missing? Let's go to first John chapter three, verses four through nine. First John three, verses four through nine. It reads, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Uh-oh. You telling me a New Testament apostle is telling us that sin is the transgression of the law? And and let's look up this word. I didn't plan on doing this, but just 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 for the sake of those who want to be petty, let's just look up the word transgression, right? Uh-oh. My thumbs are too fat for this phone. Transgression. Transgression in the in the regular dictionary says it's an act of transgressing, a violation of a law. Is that right? So let's look up transgress to violate a law, a command a moral code to offend, to sin, to pass over, 
or go beyond a limit or a boundary to go beyond the limits imposed by a law or command to violate and fringe. Oh, even the dictionary says to transgress the will of Elohim. So if you are sinning, you have violated the law. You have violated God's commands, his moral code. You have offended him. You have passed over and gone beyond a limit and a boundary that he has set through the laws, statutes, commandments and judgments that are found in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. You have gone beyond the limits imposed by those laws, statutes and commandments. If you do not follow the law, statutes, commandments and judgments of the Most High, if you are part of the people that say they are done away with and no more, you are in a perpetual state of sin and uncleanness. God can't use you. Matter of fact, let's keep reading all the way to verse nine because it gets worse for those who sin. So verse four, let's go back to verse four and let's reread that again. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law. And we just read, I just read to you what transgression means. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin, which means he came to take away your transgression of the law and he never transgressed the law. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. So if you abide in Hamashiach, you do not commit sin. You don't transgress the law. Whosoever sinneth have not seen him, neither know him. If you say that if you eat in your pork, pork chop sandwiches, your tenderloins, you're not a, you're not um, you're not observing Sabbath. You're not observing the feast days found in Leviticus 23. So many other things. You have never seen him and you don't know him. If you're not following the law, statutes, commandments of the most high. Verse seven, little children, let no man deceive you. Isn't that some that's like the ultimate theme in the Brit Hadashah? Don't be deceived. But yet here we are being deceived. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Check this out. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Oh, uh oh. So you telling me we got a lot of devils walking around here in these Christian churches, these Muslim mosques, these Jewish temples, these because remember, Jews don't follow the law. Statute, they don't follow Torah. They follow the Talmud. When the Torah and the Talmud disagree, they will side with the Talmud. Trust and believe that. And all these other man made religions, you telling me they're the devil. Let's read that again. He that commit of sin. So he that transgressed the law, he that don't do it. Go beyond it, infringe it, violate it. They're the devil. Why? For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of Elohim was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So he came to destroy the works of the devil. And if you put it in context, the works of the devil has always been to transgress the law. So if you're a part of something that transgresses the law, you're a part of the works of the devil. That's why it's so important to talk to our friends, talk to our families, talk to our co-workers. Now, the co-workers are a little tricky, but if they see your fringes or you're wearing a certain kind of garb or you're wearing a certain kind of necklace and they ask a question, then you can you now you have the open door to answer said question. OK. But the works of Satan, 
the works of the devil has always been to transgress the law of the most high. Verse number nine, whosoever is born of Elohim, do not commit sin. We do not transgress the law. At least we do not do it um, willingly. Right. So we know that there's there's no sacrifice for willful sin. So even in even in Torah, it tells us that, hey, it, it assumes that everybody's on board with following the law, statutes, and commandments, because it says, listen, man, if you sinned is in Leviticus, I can't remember the exact verse. Hey, matter of fact, go look it up and it force you to read and force you to do some more study. But in Leviticus, it talks about how you have all these offerings for sin. Then it talks about, hey, if you realize that you've offended your brother or you realize that you committed a sin or if you committed a sin and you didn't know it and it is brought to your attention then you ought to come to the temple and offer a sacrifice for that sin as well because sometimes we did we do things and we don't realize that we've done them right but when those things are brought to our attention when those um trespasses i think it was called actually a trespass offering when those trespasses are brought to your attention, we ought to go to the temple and offer sacrifices for those so that we can be cleaned and cleansed. And the leaven in our hearts, the leaven in our souls um, is gone out, is gone away, that we're cleansed again. Right. So we don't want to be the children of Satan. We don't want to be the children of the devil. We don't want to do his works. We want to do the will of the most high. So follow his laws, statutes and commandments. Last two questions questions number nine and number ten and this is just a fun one uh this is about paul because a lot of people know paul they don't know yashua a lot of people quote paul few people quote yashua i think that's amazing that we we go on this deep dive of what paul said or didn't say but yet we ignore the stuff that yashua said that's crazy to me but anywho question number nine what color was yashua what color, I'm sorry, what color was Paul? What color was Paul? Paul the Apostle, Paul from Damascus, Paul the Israelite, Paul the Pharisee, Paul the Benjamite, Paul who studied in the house of Gamiel. What color was Paul? If you answered that he was melanated, he was dark skinned, you were correct. Paul was a dark skinned, melanated man. What? You telling me that all these white evangelical churches who venerate Paul and love Paul more than they love Yahshua, they don't realize that they putting all that love and veneration toward an, a dark skinned Israelite man? Absolutely they don't know it. Because if they did, I don't think they'd be doing it. Check this out. Go to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21, starting at verse 37. Acts 21, 37. And we're going to go to verse 38. So Acts 21, 37 and 38. They read. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, may I speak unto thee? Who said, canest thou speak Greek? So this captain was surprised that Paul can speak Greek. Why was he surprised? Verse 38. Art thou that Egyptian, which before these days 
made us an uproar and led us out into the wilderness. Four thousand men that were murderers. But Paul said, I am a man, which I am a Jew of Tarsus, a citizen of Sicilia, a citizen of no mean city. And I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. So this Greek mistook Paul, mistook Paul for an Egyptian. And we all know that Egypt, if you a fool, if you think Egypt is in Asia somewhere, Egypt is in Africa. The people are dark. They're melanated. They still got drawings of themselves in their, in their tombs. You can't miss it. Uh, people try to change it. You can't change. You, you can try to change history, but, but the truth always comes back to light. So Paul was mistaken for a dark skinned Egyptian. Egyptians are, are melanated people. So what color is Paul? If you're a so-called African-American, he looked like you in some kind of hue, whether he was light skin or he was dark, dark, dark skin. He was clearly not a white man as these uh, these movies try to portray him as. All right. I hope you guys are having fun. We're at our last question and I save the best for last. I save the most controversial, the most, uh, the least talked about maybe. And the one that's probably going to stir up so much discussion after this podcast. And so you might hurt your brain trying to figure this one out because I've been gone in circles and circles and circles with different kind of people because I don't let's get to it let's get let me ask a question let me ask a question here we go here we go here we go y'all ready y'all ready are you sure are you positive are you you sure that you positive okay here we go here we go here we go the very last question question number 10 was Job Job like from the book of Job was Job from Edom so in other words was Job or is Job an Edomite? Hmm. So, if your answer was yes, you could be right. If your answer was no, maybe you could be right. I don't know. I kind of lean closer to yes. And I'll show you my evidence. Just like everything else, I'm going to show you scripture, show you my evidence. But uh, yeah, man, this is a, this is a touchy subject in a lot of circles. Um, Cause we don't want to believe that there was some book written about an Edomite. Although there's a whole book written about a Moabite. But hey, whatever. Um, man, was Job an Edomite? The only reason I asked that question is because I'm reading, I was reading Genesis 36 and is given the um, genealogy of, of, of Esau. And we like to skip genealogies, but I'm telling you, these genealogies are important because it tells you who the offspring were and where they resided. Right. Job resides in the same place the Edomites reside in the same time. His friends have names of Edomite people. I don't know if it was the, the it was those if because Job is considered to be one of the oldest 
characters in the Bible, if not the oldest um, outside of Adam and Eve. But if they're living around the same time, these are the same people, um, Eliphaz's and all these other all these other people who begin to talk to Job. And these, these are these are his friends are Edomites. So. Anyway, let's get to the scripture. Like I said, it's a maybe. Yes or no. Save this for discussion. Look it up. So the scriptures are coming from Lamentations, from the book of Job themselves, and from Jasher chapter 66 and chapter 67. Um, if you don't have a book of Jasher, so if you don't have a, a, a Sefer, or um, you can always just, just Google the book of Jasher, and you can read those chapters on your desktop or on your phone as well. So Jasher chapter 66 and 67 talk about a man uh, named Job from us who um, teaches the Pharaoh of Egypt who has our ancestors in captive in Mizraim. So why we're why we're um, slaves in Mizraim, other stuff is going on. We got to remember that all this stuff, none, none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. So while we're slaves over here, the world doesn't stop. It's still turning. Right. So the, the so the king uh, gets counselors and uh, there's some people that come up from Edom and one of them is Job from us who instructs the king in a certain way on how to uh, defeat us. Very interesting. Book of Jasher, chapter 66 and 67. I ain't gonna read all that cause I ain't got time. I'm all already over an hour, but I encourage you guys to read that the book of Jasher chapter 66 through 67. But what I can read is Lamentations chapter four, verse 21 Lamentations chapter four, verse 21. First, I want to prove a point. Lamentations chapter four, verse 21 reads rejoice and be glad O daughter of Edom that dwellest in the land of us the cup also shall pass through unto thee thou shalt be drunken and shalt make thyself naked so it's telling you where the people of Edom reside and don't try to be slick with me and say well no it's it's, it's only the daughters of Esau that live in us because it says the daughter of Edom. It says the daughter of Edom, not the daughters of Edom, just like the phrase, the daughter of Zion. We know they're not talking about females. It's talking about the people of Zion, us. So when the God says the daughter of Zion, he's talking about his chosen people. So when he's talking about the, the daughter of Edom, he's talking about the people who reside in Edom and they dwell in the land of us. So let's go to Job chapter one verse one and see where job is from it said there was a man in the land of us whose name was job and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared elohim and eschewed evil so i don't know could there be righteous edomites it's possible why uh why could it be possible? Well, because Esau, his issue wasn't that he was a bad son. He sold his birthright. And so Elohim hated him for that. But that was still Isaac's favorite son. The son of Abraham, Isaac, had a favorite son. And it wasn't Jacob, ladies and gentlemen. Read your scriptures. It was Esau. Esau is who Isaac favored. So you're telling me that Esau the, the, the son who went out and hunted for his father 
and took care of his father and probably sat close to his father because he was the favorite. You telling me Isaac did not impart to him the laws, statutes and commandments that were given unto Abraham. <clears throat> Excuse me. That were given unto Abraham. So he didn't know them because uh, Jacob knew him. So if Jacob knew him, you think Esau didn't know him and they lived in the same house. <coughs> Excuse me. So I believe that it's possible in the early days because it's not Esau himself who necessarily got off. It was his offspring, the Edomites. So in the early going, you could have some very righteous Edomites who knew the law, statutes and commandments of the most high. And don't say and the law, statutes and commandments of the most high existed before Moses went to Mount Sinai. That's what that's just was the first time they were written down in stone, because if you read the account where Noah had to put on uh, get all the animals of the earth. Right. It said every part of a clean animal and unclean animal. So no one knew what was clean and unclean because there were still laws and statutes and commandments. Right. So anyway, there could have been righteous Edomites. Like, just take that into consideration. Um, Esau could have taught them what his father Isaac taught him. And there could be a line of them that taught their sons and daughters the right way. And one of those sons and daughters could have been Job from us. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. Listen, I hope you guys had some fun. Um, share this episode again with five other people. Um, it was fun for me to do this. I know some of these things were controversial. Some of these things you may have never heard of if you it's your first time listening to this podcast. But listen, um, go search these things out. Write down those scriptures. Rewind this thing. Write down those scriptures. Search these things out. Um, do some reading, some extra biblical reading, some historical reading um, to see if these things are true or not. Um, I think it's fun. I love trivia. I love history. I love doing this. I have to do this once again. Um, but next time, I think I want to do it with like a panel of people or something uh, to make it more fun. So uh, y'all can hear who's right, who's wrong, what they're thinking and why. And, and we can get into these nice, deep discussions uh, right here on Jacob's E podcast. But until then, um, continue to seek out truth, share it with others. Shalom. Thank you for listening to another episode of Jacob Seed Podcast. We ask that you subscribe, like, and review, as well as share this podcast on whatever platform that you're listening to this on. Have you ever wondered how to be a part of the show? You can call in to the podcast voicemail at 901-300-7474. Leave your comment and question, and we will play it on the next episode of Jacob Seed Podcast. Also, if you go to our Instagram page at Jacob C12 or the host page at Yahoo 15 on Instagram or Twitter and press the link, you can find ways on how to support this podcast. You don't have a social media account. That's perfectly fine. You can go to linktr.ee forward slash Jacob C12 to find more ways on how to support this podcast. We thank you. We appreciate you. We love you. And remember... Seek truth, live it out, and inform others. Shalom.